Hey, welcome. It is the best show you'll ever see every morning. Don't at me. I am Dan Dockich. I am your host. And I thank you for paying attention to us. I had a bad beat last night. I just found out right now. Literally right now, I had forgotten that I had taken the Braves over the Diamondbacks. They were up to 6-6-2. I went to bed. Next thing you know, they lost. So I'm a little bit cranky, although I did have Nadal over Djokovic. We will get into that. Hey, look, happy Wednesday to y'all. It is hump day. It is the eve of the NBA finals, if you care about such things. But you know, the world of politics and gas prices and all the garbage that is going on in our country continues. Yesterday, it was Tuesday. My wife, my stepdaughter is home. My daughter is home. My daughter's boyfriend good friend of mine, Brett Glaze, and his girlfriend, we went to a place called the District Tap. And we started, we go on Tuesdays to play trivia, and guess what happened? I saw a tweet from a guy I used to work with at ESPN. Name was Matt Bartley. He's really bad at his job. He was a producer that, whatever. So Bartley is a big, um, he's a big, big, big liberal. And he put something out. You know, we were friends, whatever, but he's he's always kind of coming at me political. So I decided to send out a tweet. And I didn't realize as I was walking in, this is what I love about Twitter. You could be walking into the District Tap, which is a big bar and grill here in Indianapolis. You can put out a tweet, and next thing you know, it has a bigger circulation than the Indianapolis Star. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, right now. My little tweet has a bigger circulation, about 140,000, than what the Indianapolis Star does. I absolutely love it. I, I get such a kick out of it. And here's a tweet. All right, let's go through it. Because this, you know, as always, the most tolerant of us all called me a dumbass. The most tolerant of us all called me an idiot. You don't know nothing. Didn't you take simple economics, Dan, at Andrain High School? I have said for three, four, five decades, whatever it is, I want three things out of a president, lower gas prices, never hear the word inflation, and a stock market that is up. That is it. Now, I understand there's a lot of factors in each, but ladies and gentlemen, don't at me with crap. When Jimmy Carter came aboard in the late 70s, that's when I actually paid attention for about 10 minutes to anything political. Gas lines, inflation, stock market horrible. Now, the stock market's going to go up and down, and I understand there's a lot of factors. But walk through this tweet with me. Before the election, gas was at 179 right up here. It's going to be 5 bucks here in Indy. Now, well, you don't understand. No, I do understand. It was a buck 79. That's it. That's what it was. Hey, uh, it was a buck seventy-nine. Now five bucks. You tell me what happened in between. The market was absolutely roaring. I got an account here. I was up a hundred and some percent, sixty thousand dollars in it. Now it's less than thirty. And every day while I'm on this show, now you can tell me there's a lot of factors. Of course, there's a lot of factors. What are you an idiot? But it is amazing to me. The stock market has shown, it's climbed initially because at like Mike Davis coaching at Indiana, you get the Bob Knight bump, you go to the final four. And then when it's up to your policies, you tank. 
It's exactly what happened to the market. The market rode a wave of the stuff that Trump was doing. And then it did what, well, I hate to say this, but you're all's greatest president, the do-nothing president, Barack Obama, said was going to happen. Never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to F things up. And guess what? The stock market is now in a negative. Argue with me all you'd like. There were no wars. Everybody was afraid. Everybody had respect of the United States pre-election. Now, we just sent $40 billion, $40 billion to a war with Ukraine and Russia, $40 billion. I didn't even put on here, and let me go back to the worldwide fear that even some of my colleagues here, one of my colleagues, Paulie, I love Paul Kuharski, but the only thing that he disputed here was respect and fear, please, really? How about those borders? How are they doing? I mean, if you want to know the difference in numbers, it's literally like this. I saw this the other day, like over a 30-day period when Trump was rolling, 100 people crossed the border. Same 30 days, it was like a million crossed the border illegally. You tell me, respect and fear is not there? My ass. United States has become weak. Uh, look, if anybody... If anyone out there has any sense at all, and you look at it from the other side, you look at it from, quote, our enemies, and you see Trump in office, who's half crazy, right? The dude was nuts. At least that's how you would think, all right? So you had a rational or irrational fear or respect. Look now, we got a dude that can't put two sentences together. We got an 80-something-year-old woman that talks about her refrigerator and her ice cream sandwiches. We got a country for sale. We got a country that is more concerned about what is going on and whatever, the human rights or whatever it is, of illegal folks marching into this country. I'm all for immigration. Just do it the right way. Do it how your grandparents did it. Can you keep that up there if you don't mind? If you don't mind putting that tweet up there because I got to go through it more. I mean, look at it from the other side. Would you respect this country? Would you? No chance. People say, well, you know, in in Europe, gas prices are high. Well, they've always been. Hell, my son is 28 years old. He was conceived in Munich, Germany. I should have named him Munich. (laughs) When we were over in Munich, whatever, 28, 29 years ago, gas prices were way higher than the United States. They always have been. But now this clown comes in. And we're at $5 a gallon. You know what people argue with me? We got school shootings and you're worried about gas prices. No, we can worry about a lot of different things. We elect a non-excuses president, right? You've all seen the tweets from this guy. It is the president. If you're the president, when 100,000 people die of of, uh, COVID, you shouldn't be president. Well, we just hit a million. If you're, if when I'm the president, there are no excuses. Really? What'd you hear every day? Well, it's Putin, it's a war. It's Putin, it's a war. Meanwhile, if we drilled here, we would have more gasoline than we would ever need. You know, part of your gas price is the tax on your gas. Maybe if we took $40 billion and did something with it instead of sending it to the Ukraine, or maybe if we did something like not give crack pipes away, maybe if we did something like not... Uh, let every swing and you-know-what come into our country illegally, maybe we'd get something done around here and have a little respect. Now, you can argue with me all you want. 
We got a no excuses president that all that guy does is blame others. We're so whacked out in this country. This is how whacked out we are in this country. We're so whacked out in this country, and everybody understands this, like literally everybody that can think. We're so whacked out in this country that we had a first lady, hottest first lady in the history of the world. Now, everybody understands that. If you don't, you're blind. I don't care. You don't know. Well, she couldn't be on the cover of a magazine because that would be bad. I mean, Michelle Obama's husband did nothing, but she's got great arms. Stop. Jill Biden's a doctor. Sure, me too. We're all doctors. But what's even better about this, what's even better is the responses to this tweet. The responses to this tweet are absolutely glorious. Of course, the most friendly, inclusive, diverse, accepting folks call you a dumbass and an idiot and a jackass and everything else. But the reason I put that in the end is my boy Matt Barkley. Barkley, Barkley, hell, I don't know. I just know he wasn't any good at his job. Yet I work with somebody he has pinned that actually defend this. There is no human being alive that can think for themselves that can defend this administration. Now, I understand you're so mad at Donald Trump that you defend this administration. I understand you're so locked into my liberal views that you defend this administration. I understand that. I understand that, you know, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, we all vote Democrat, damn it. He's doing a great job. No. No. See, Pauli Kuharski, worldwide respect pre-election, please. No, it was, man. There weren't people just running all over Albuquerque like my friend Paul Krebs, former athletic director at New Mexico, told me. He goes, look, I live in New Mexico. It's not even close to the border, and we got illegals everywhere. Yes, there was a respect. Of course there was a respect because they thought that the man in orange, I'll go with you guys, was crazy. Crazy. I mean, hey, look. And I agree with Brandon Speaks, and we haven't seen the worst yet. We haven't. Because they're trying to pass this green deal, they have to make transformational change or whatever the hell it is. All right. Uh, Brian Lambert, did you take economics at Andrean or IU? The price of a barrel of oil is not controlled by the president. No, but drilling is. Finding out where it is is. Getting all these regulations off of it is. He doesn't have a magic wand. You're better than that big fella. Yeah, okay. All right, whatever you say, man. See, Joshua Phillips. Global economy is taking a hit. This isn't an American problem, really. You don't think this is an American problem? So people think and have such less respect for our country that guys like Joshua Phillips don't think that we should be worldwide leaders. They they think this is where it's really dangerous. They think we should just be sheep going along because all of these other countries that aren't nearly as great as our country are having the same problems. Really? Okay. All right. That's fine. Good. Okay. If that's what you think. You know, Ron Moss, who is always on my ass, give it a rest. Why? Why would I give it a rest? Why wouldn't anybody with a platform, why wouldn't anybody in my position speak on it? Now, I'm not going to get anything done. And I'm not a Republican, I'm not a conservative, I'm not a liberal. I'm dead right. Hey, look, I think both sides probably have good ideas. 
But I know this, you spend $40 million while our country doesn't have baby formula? What would $40 billion do in schools to help secure schools? What would $40 billion do for our criminal system? What would $40 billion do for our school system? But yet we're sending it to Ukraine. Oh, great. All right. Yeah. Kurt Coral, who always is on my ass, I could say this shirt's red. He's going to say, no, it's not. You're too stupid. Please, please bring in an economics professor to teach Dan the basics. That's fine. Bring him in. I know this. Before the election, 179. Now, I can give you the economics. Post-election, going to be five bucks right down the street right here when it was 179 before the election. Market roaring pre-election. Just as the dude said he was going to do. Look, I think Trump's a pig. Well, how can you not? But I can think for myself. But I'll tell you this, man. A businessman running the White House ain't a bad move. (laughs) Not at all. Are you kidding me? A businessman running the White House, a businessman running the country is exactly. Or, wait a second, hold on for it. Wait a second. Another Joe Biden it's going to be a long, hard winter. And as I sit at my table and, and I think about the families, huh? What, 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 what? Flies, flies, flies. What? what? I mean, that, and you guys fall for that crap. No, you guys don't. You guys that watch this show are pretty smart. But people fall for that crap. It's going to be a long, hard winter. You could take what Bill Clinton said, what George W. Bush said, and what Joe Biden said. You can mix it up. And they're all saying the same idiotic stuff. That's why I like Trump. Trump said different stuff. Oh, my God, we had mean tweets. I just filled up for 100 bucks. Told my wife last night when we went, I'm not driving. I ain't driving. No, I'm not driving. I'm not crazy. I ain't driving. Gas too expensive. Your car's better on gas. I remember this from the 70s. I've been very clear about this my whole life, my entire life. This is the 70s, late 70s. This is the worst era we ever had economically. Maybe not ever, but certainly in my lifetime. Right now we're going through it. Elections matter. We have voted, we voted in an administration that is completely incompetent, completely subservient to whoever. Doesn't have the American people in mind, doesn't have the best interests of our country in mind, is so interested in power and politics. Why do you think these idiots, why do you think the lady with the face, the fake face, Pelosi, and her drunk ass husband are sitting there still in office? Because they pander and they know how to play the game. They don't know how to get anything done. They don't know how to do anything right for you and me, but they know how to pander. They know how to play the game. I don't have, I've never been pissed about politics, except in the late uh, 70s when I was like 17. And I'm like, why are gas prices? What is this? Well, not the president. It was everything was the president when it was Trump. What's different now? About two months, three months ago, gas prices went from like 370 to about 350. And all of a sudden, the Democrats put out on their national freaking thing on Twitter how President Obama lowered the gas prices. Now, it's not the president. What's wrong with you? Don't you pay attention? Do I have to pay attention to everything? I think I do. I think what you ought to do is just leave it all to me. We gave $40 billion? You guys get mad because you can't pass a gun bill, but there's so much crap in that background. 
in good faith, apparently. You guys are nuts. Insane. The world is insane. And the comments are the best. Well, that's what you would say. I got this guy, Alpha Man. Yeah, real alpha dude. Alpha man, alpha dog says, you know what? Uh, Stop embarrassing yourself. Hey, man, I'm out here trying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you sit on your little, uh, your little, uh, wherever the hell you sit, oh, alpha man. But I'm out here working it, baby. I'm out here trying for the better of our country. The level of stupid that has been exposed by uh, Biden, the level of groupthink, the level of we can't think for ourselves is astounding in this country. I don't mean a little astounding. I mean astounding. Jesus, wake the hell up. Well, it ain't the president. Why was it the president every time Trump took a dump? Well, and then, oh, it's just conspiracy theory, yeah? Every single conspiracy theory turned out to be true. How'd that work out for you with Russia? Guys are insane. Seriously insane. Think for yourselves. How do you not think for yourself? How do you go along? My last thing, then I'm going to move on to sports. But how do you not, as somebody that has a working brain and is over the age of 30, not think for yourself? How do you just go along? Thank God, man. I got to tell you, I'm, 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 I'm in almost 60, and I got more appreciation for my parents. I couldn't imagine being one of you goofs that got on here. You can't figure out what a woman is. You're too afraid to say what's crap is crap. It, it's unbelievable to me. I, it, and I don't, I don't get it. If you don't think we had worldwide respect slash fear before the election, I can't help you, man. I can't help you. Uh, Matt Kahn says, shut your bald ass up. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There you go, Matt. Yeah, shut my bald ass up. Yeah, Matt's in his 20s. I mean, you know. Uh, Brad Norden says, and this is Brad, he's a guy, I don't know, he may be a bot. There's a lot wrong with this tweet, everything. Presidents have almost zero effect, almost zero which are up worldwide. They've always been up worldwide. Markets still above where they were. Uh Uh-uh, markets are down. No wars pre-election is just plain idiotic. You can't be this dim. There's always the shot at the end from our most tolerant. I like Christopher Vargas. No one can argue these facts without lying to themselves. Yeah, see, Purdue Insider, I would expect this from Purdue. Gas prices are on a great increase in almost every country, but sure, let's blame Biden. How about you lead? How about about the United States leads? Novel approach. Family. Jill's a lawyer. Where am I? If you don't think we were respected before the frickin' war, you're out of here. Before the election, you're out of your mind. All right, speaking of respected, I, I saw the dumbest show. ESPN had a lady named Heather Dinich on. Now, I think she went to Indiana. And she was talking about Saban. And Saban spoke yesterday. Um, do we have the audio? 
of Saban. Can we play it? I, I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong. I didn't say anybody did anything wrong. Okay, and I've said everything I'm going to say about this. But you know, I, I think that um, you know, I guess the point, and I should have ne never mentioned any individual institutions. I said that before. But you know, some kind of uniform uh, name, image, and likeness, you know, standard. Um, that supports some kind of e equitable uh, national competition, uh, I think is really, really important in college athletics, in college football. And we... Uh, he backtracked big time. Trey Wallace is going to join us coming up here at 10 o'clock. I love to see coaches backtrack. I mean, you sit there in front of your guys, right, and you got all the answers. You're all smug. Hey, he bought their whole thing. No, he did not say anybody did anything wrong. And you can make the argument uh, based on what SEC coaches have said that he didn't do anything wrong. The funny thing was I was watching a report at ESPN here. They had Feinbaum, who I love, Heather Dinich, who I don't know, and Greenberg. And Dinich is talking about, well, you know, there isn't any animosity among the coaches in the meeting room. Well, you think? Of course there's no animosity among the coaches in the meeting room. What are they going to do, fight? Look. If you've ever coached and you go into MAC meetings, there ain't any animosity in the meeting room. Well, they all got along in the meeting room. Well, of course they got along in the meeting room. They all know the deal. Every one of them knows exactly what Nick Saban was doing, and everybody knows exactly what Jimbo Fisher was doing. And Saban got with his guys, got to be a big shot, got to sit around at his little function with his boosters and talk about Jimbo Fisher. And Jimbo Fisher then had to do what Jimbo Fisher had to do. You can't not respond, and you can't respond weakly. So Fisher took shots. Like a guy punched you in the schoolyard, you got to at least punch back. And then you're all right. Then you go play. Hey, I watched this report, and they're like, well, you know, there was no, there was no animosity in the building. There was no, <laughs> you think? I saw what Kirby Smart called it Mickey Mouse. He's right. That's how guys think. Like, I understand that people have to have jobs. I understand. But I'm telling you, the only people I want to listen to are people that have coached or played, particularly coached. Because you get in those rooms, and it's okay. It's maybe a bit uncomfortable for a minute. You know, and then what also happens is not in a vacuum. These things don't happen in a vacuum. I mean, all of a sudden, Fisher might reach out to Saban privately. Saban might reach out to Fisher privately. Sankey's mad at both of them. And a little reporter, uh, you know, well, there's no animosity in the room. Well, no shit. I mean, truthfully, no kidding. Of course there's not. Like, dudes are different, man. I mean, I try to explain this to people. My wife gets this. Like, she's always amazed. She's like, man, being a dude is great. You can argue, you can cuss, you can fight, you can do all that stuff. And next thing you know, you guys are fine. Of course. What we do? I mean, I'm not happy. And, you know, truthfully, Saban isn't wrong. He didn't just say anybody did anything wrong. But the inference was there, right? I mean, let's be honest. The inference was there. Uh, two things. Number one, he bought. We came in second. You need to step up, if that makes sense. Meaning, we came in second, and this is to the boosters. We came in second to this group. They bought their recruits. We need to step up if we're going to compete with that school, Texas A&M, 
in buying recruits. That's what that was. Second part was simply this. Uh, I don't like that Jimbo Fisher was able to buy recruits. So I am going to tell the world that he bought the recruits because this is the new normal. He's not saying he did anything wrong, but he's certainly inferring that he did something wrong, Jimbo Fisher, and I love it. Stay tuned for more. I don't know if Fisher's going to talk or not. We'll talk to Trey Wallace coming up here around 10 o'clock. Leah Thomas spoke yesterday. Leah Thomas said, uh, basically defended, and I think Leah Thomas is right on a number of things. I do. I think Leah Thomas is interesting. Leah Thomas said there's a lot of factors that go into a race and how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy. And sophomore year, when I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. So having that lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put all my training into racing. Well, she's right. Uh, but the facts say that being a man certainly helps. Now, I'm just going to take that part of it first. 2019, she's 554th in the 200 freestyle. All of a sudden, competing with women, now fifth country. 2019, 65th in the 500 freestyle. Competing as a woman, first. 2019, competing as a man, 32nd in the 1,650 freestyle. Competing as a woman, eighth. Kind of benefits. Anybody doesn't think there is a biological difference between men and women is a clown. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I've said for years, you get the best high school team, they'll beat the WNBA's best team. They just will. I mean, look, it's not anything against anybody. It's just the way it is. Biology is actual science. Now, I understand a lot of people want to say science, but they don't follow science. And I agree with with what Leah Thomas said right here. Uh, You are happier. And I agree with this part, too. I do. I agree with this next part. Trans people don't transition for athletics. I agree with that. I know two people transitioning and transition for athletics. They transition because of this next. We transition to be happy and authentic with our true self. Totally agree. Totally. People that I know did. I, I don't, you know, people always say, well, they're going to regret it later. I, why? What? I don't know. Transitioning to get an advantage is not something that ever factors in our decisions. Trans women are not a threat to women's sports. Uh, I think they are a threat. I do. I think they are a threat. And what's interesting to me is Leah Thomas went from a man to a woman and competed in the women's division. A softball player at Yale transitioning from a woman to a man, yet she's playing softball, not baseball with the men. Why is that? That's the dangerous part. Why are, as my wife always says, why are women always picked up? Why, why is that a deal? Like, why is it always the women to get the short end here? Why isn't somebody that is transitioning from a man to a woman, okay, if you set the precedent and they go with and compete against women, fine. But why isn't somebody transitioning from a woman to a man then competing with the men? I don't understand it, but I do agree with what Leah Thomas said. But I mean, don't even try. I mean, seriously, don't even try. Doesn't mean they're going to be the best in the world, not necessarily. But the numbers that I just gave you, I mean, I can give you a bunch. And, and you know what's interesting? You go to Leah Thomas's uh, Wikipedia page, and you can tell that Wikipedia has tried really, really hard to protect Leah Thomas, which I think is cool, which I think is fine. But all you got to do is look at the numbers that I just gave you, and we all know that. I mean, come on. I mean, we, we just look stupid. 
right? I just look stupid. You all look smart. I look stupid. But I can't think for myself. And in thinking for myself, I totally agree with Leah Thomas is saying there. I'm glad uh, she did the interview. I am. I'm glad she did the interview. You know, I don't know why anybody would hate Leah Thomas personally. I don't know why anybody would dislike. What, what? I can understand uh, women in athletics not liking what women, th Leah Thomas and others are doing to women's sport. I could see that. But Leah Thomas personally, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I think she makes some pretty good points. And again, as someone who knows two people that are transitioning, uh, that seems to be accurate to me. So, uh, a 20-accuser comes forward against Deshaun Watson. Now, here's what you got to understand. Deshaun Watson, when he went from when he went from Houston to the Cleveland Browns, where the Cleveland Browns, Sean Watson, they acted as if there was nothing to see here. Nah, nothing going on here. Really? Okay. All right. Well, there were still 22. 22 women had cases. You know what happened in baseball? And I don't understand it. I'm sure everything is different. But it took one accuser of consensual sex. Now, I don't know what the hell all Trevor Bauer did, but it took one to bring Trevor Bauer down for two years. I want you to think about that for a second. Two years. So this guy, once they got him out of Texas, somehow the world felt like, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I had more people tell me this, and I agree. The world felt like, all of a sudden, oh, man, everything's clear because he's out of Texas. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself going, that ain't right. Aren't, aren't there still 22, now 23 accusers? Aren't there still more people to come? And this particular accuser, how brave the women that came forward were. And it forced her to step up. It's interesting, man. It, it, it is, this is the most interesting thing in sports that I have seen in a long, long time. Let's go back real quick. I'm going over here on this first segment, but it's so interesting. Um, Watson has these allegations. He denies them. He has a chance to settle it by all accounts. He doesn't. And all of a sudden, he's back in the facility last year getting paid He's on the roster. They go to 52, not 53 men, because he doesn't dress. And it's the most amazing thing ever. So he would come in like some other door and work out on his own and then leave. And now he gets traded and everybody goes, ah, oh, it's over. I, I don't know what to say. Like, the lady's name is Nia Smith. Her allegations are similar to the other 22 that have sued Watson. She spoke about, uh, she said Watson was sexually inappropriate with her three different massage ther massages in 2020. Man, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It is. Uh, do you know that Saudi, that LIV, whatever the hell it is? You know what I'm talking about where Phil Mickelson got in trouble? It's a new tour where basically they're saying we're going to play 50 hole, 54 hole matches. We're going to pay you a ton of money. You're not going to have to worry about being cut. You're going to make at minimum $120,000. At maximum, the winner's going to get $2, 3000000 million. 
And that's the whole thing. We're going to pay more money to you than you can make on the PGA Tour. Well, guess what? They have a tournament opposite the Canadian, the, the Canadian Open. And that guy right there, he's going to play. He is going to play. Dustin Johnson is going to play in the field. That's big news. Like, that's one of the best players in the world that is saying, hey, look. Now, the PGA Tour has threatened a variety of things. The PGA Tour has threatened to ban you. The PGA Tour has threatened all kinds of stuff. We'll see what they do. But Dustin Johnson, who had a few months ago said, yeah, I'm good. I'm committed to the PGA Tour. Obviously, the coast was clear. Now, look, I don't want to hear, me personally, any media criticizing Dustin Johnson until you criticize LeBron James and others in the NBA for dealing with China. Like, I, hey, look, the easiest guys to criticize. So Dustin Johnson will catch a lot of hell. But Dustin Johnson, Louis Oosthuizen, Ian Poulter, Charles Schwartz, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Kevin Na are among the big names. It's going to be interesting to see if all of a sudden, because there are a lot of big names that have been talked about it. And, you know, we'll see whether or not anybody comes. Uh, Brooke Kepka's brother is in there. Taylor Gooch, who's won. Matt Jones, uh, Hudson Stafford. There's some guys here pretty good. Now, you got to remember, the PGA Tour doesn't have these full glamorous events every week. So people say, well, no one's playing in this tournament. Yeah, maybe. It is interesting. Nadal, baby. Rafa. Rafa won. He beat Djokovic. This was an unbelievable match. 6-2, 4-6, 6-2, 7-6 on clay, which you never bet against Nadal on clay in the French Open, but here's what made it cool. Nadal, who's like 110 years old, was down three zip in the third. He came back, and he won in a tie break. That was amazing. I don't know how close you are to watching tennis, but when I watched it, and I watched a lot of that match, when I watched it, I got to tell you, Nadal must be the most fit athlete in the world. Nadal never stops. Nadal is no different than in 2008 when Nadal and Federer played maybe the most epic Wimbledon match ever. Nadal didn't look a whole hell of a lot different. I'm sure he is. I'm sure if I got the McEnroe brothers on here or Heather Dinich, they could tell me, yeah, he's different. All right, fine. But the truth of the matter is, from this eye that loves tennis, watches tennis, I didn't see anything different. I didn't. I saw Nadal being Nadal, man. Djokovic wasn't very good. Djokovic wasn't on form. But damn, if you're going to talk about, if you're going to talk about great athletes in great condition, wow, Nadal has to be in there. Congratulations. That makes it fun. Nadal on clay is fun. All right, we're going to come back. I got a What the Hell Wednesday. We got drag shows at Taco Bell. What the hell are we doing? We'll be right back. Thanks for being here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome back. What a show today. I went a little long. All right, now it is Wednesday. So I got to ask you, what the hell? That's right. 
what the hell Wednesday? I look, I'm all for anything. But I am questioning, and I think it's, you can question, can't you, without being a transphobe, a homophobe, or any kind of phobe, can't you at least question? Why is Taco Bell, can we put this up, why is Taco Bell hosting drag queen brunches? Like, what is all of a sudden the affinity with drag shows? Like, why are we normalizing this? Why don't we normalize, like, uh, families, fathers, nuclear families, relationships? Why are we normalizing this? I don't give a damn if you want to be a drag queen. I don't care what you want to do. But why is this in our schools? Now, old man yells at clouds is the familiar refrain. No, I see a country in deep trouble. And I see the absence of religion, and I see the absence of family, and I see the absence of fathers as a huge reason why. You can debate that all you want. You can hate on that all you want. You can hate me all you want for saying that. I do not care. I don't. I can think for myself because I had parents that asked me to think for myself, told me, demanded that I think for myself. I read the Bible. The nuclear family is important. Fathers are hugely important. Look at any crime statistic. Tony Dungy put them out. Go look at his Twitter. He got vilified, of course, because somebody that's maybe a drag queen doesn't like what he's doing, so that catches up. Steve, I don't give a damn what anybody, a drag queen or a businessman, think about what I'm saying. What I'm saying is true. Our country's in real trouble. And we can pretend and have drag shows for kids. How about we teach kids reading, writing, and arithmetic? How about at Taco Bell, we continue to make great food, in my opinion, while giving kids, young adults, the option of working and learning how to be involved in a corporation, as opposed to just appeasing whatever the drag society is. Again, I don't give a damn if you want to be a drag queen. Hell, I had a drag... Uh, no, I didn't. No, I guess that would have been a uh, transgender person uh, proposition, my wife and I, in Minnesota. But I digress. But what is this? Somebody explain this to me. What, what is this whole affinity with drag shows? Like, I, I, I turn on the libs of TikTok, and every day some elementary school is, is humping drag queens through their school. Why don't we teach kids how to read? Why don't we teach kids how to write? You ever go to Harvard? You ever walk through Harvard? Check out the demographic of Harvard. You want to know why we're falling behind? My God, we're, we're worried about drag shows while other countries are worried about reading, writing, and arithmetic. You tell me. I, it's asinine to me. But no one has the stones to say it. So you're going to go to Taco Bell, you just want a freaking Mexican pizza, which, by the way, is outstanding. Or you want a couple of burritos or maybe a taco, a chicken taco, and you got a drag show coming up? What are we doing? How about teaching young adults how to operate a business? How about that? Jesus. All right. The buttress pillow. Give me the buttress pillow, baby. Let's see the buttress pillow. There you go. The first butt-shaped pillow. You want tan, black, red, whatever. Yeah. You can cradle between the soft. Yeah, put your face right in there. Toss that salad. <laughs> Look at this. It's great support. Uh, it relieves stress. 
That's our world right there. Yeah, a guy just kissing somebody on the cheeks, putting his head between the ass. <laughs> Baby got back. <laughs> Everybody can have back. Yeah, you'll love having around the buttress pillow. Welcome to the world of butt sleeping. Look it up. You can buy it. Comes in that package. Put your face. You can toss that salad. Is that bad to say? I don't know. Hold on. I got to plug in my computer. If I don't plug in my computer, I'm going to lose the show. There we go. The buttress pillow. You know, I woke up this morning. I'm going to the Louvre or wherever it is. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to fake get in a wheelchair. I'm going to put a wig on and I'm going to throw cake at the Mona Lisa. What are we doing? This is the world we live in. For some reason, someone decided to throw cake. Old lady jumps out of a wheelchair and attempted to smash the bulletproof glass of the Mona Lisa. Then smears to smear cake on the glass and throws roses everywhere before being tackled by security. What the hell? Can somebody explain to me? Hey, you know what? I think the Mona Lisa needs a little cake on it. A little cake on the Mona Lisa. See what we got. I know that Dylan and Ryan and, and uh, Corey, they're into some funky things, Davey. But I don't know. It seems to me that I'm, I'm not willing. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't dress up. Throw, what, 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 and I have not been able. I, I've looked, too. I li- literally haven't. Maybe it's come out in the last I don't know how long. But I have looked, and I've tried to find out Why are we throwing cake on the Mona Lisa? I don't know. I I don't. I don't don't have the answer. I wish I did, but I don't. Throwing cake on the Mona Lisa, I don't know why you do it, but hey, if that's your thing, go ahead. Go. You, You know what? In this world, you do you, baby. That's the dumbest thing alive. You want something good? You want to learn something? Here's what you do. You ready? You want to learn a little different world? than the one that we are currently experiencing. Let me give it to you. Uh, Number one, go to Traders Point Christian Church and check out these last month's sermons by uh, Brockett, Aaron Brockett. Telling you, it's life changing. Anyway, you won't throw cake on the Mona Lisa. Hey, man, what are you going to do today? I don't know what you want to do. Ah, let's go throw some cake on the Mona Lisa. I'm down. You got the wheelchair? Sure. I'll bring the wig. Let's go. You think the world is insane. And I, I love the world we live in. I do. I think it's just so ridiculous that people throw cake on the Mona Lisa. Uh, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald says he is, quote, at peace with retiring. You know what? I have a thing. I have a thing where I don't listen to athletes. I listen to Aaron Donald because I think Aaron Donald is at peace with retiring. And the reason I say I think Aaron Donald is at peace with retiring is because of the way he handled the Super Bowl win. He wins the Super Bowl. He's the greatest defensive player of his generation. His kids are down there. They're taking pictures, his wife. And Aaron Donald, to me, seemed like a guy, the rare guy, that at his age is totally at peace with his life. Now, Aaron Donald isn't dumb. He understands that if I say I'm at peace with retiring, 
then you know what? That's pretty, and people believe it. That's a pretty good negotiating ploy, is it not? I mean, I really think it is. I look. If you're negotiating from a position of, look, I'm the best. We won. I'm a massive reason why, not only on the field, but apparently as a leader, you want to win again, the team does, and you don't care. You can walk away right now. You got a great-looking family. You got a fantastic wife. You got enough money. I mean, what the hell? Is there any better negotiating ploy than the ability to walk away? Think about it. There's two things in negotiating. One, don't speak first. Don't. That was actually in 30 Rock, and that's actually smart. person that speaks first generally loses. Second is be willing to walk away from the deal. Legitimately willing. Like, don't be willing and saying you're going to walk away. I don't care if they fire me. And then when they fire you, your ass comes crawling back. I don't care if she leaves me, man. If she leaves me... I'd be much better off. Okay, she leaves your ass, and now you're a wilting little flower, acting like a little batch, trying to get her to even talk to you or send you a text. Don't be that guy. Only use those type things if they are 100% applicable to your situation. And I believe in Aaron Donald, they are applicable to Aaron Donald's situation. Seems to me that A.D., as I'll call him, because, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, to me, could walk away tomorrow, and if I were negotiating against Aaron Donald, unless I knew something different, and I'm telling you, if I was negotiating against Aaron Donald, I would try to learn all I can. Is this not really true? But if I was negotiating with him as I sit here right now, I would not even believe, I would not even think about questioning that. And that's going to be interesting because here's the deal. Look, um, when I look at Eric Donald, I don't look at an old guy. I don't look at a guy that, oh, I don't know, he's, you know, he's. I'm going to try to find out right now how old he is. I guess I should have done that before the show. But when I look at Eric Donald, I see a guy pretty much in his prime. And here's one of the things that's interesting about football. We're seeing more and more people. We've seen this. We've seen more and more guys say, you know what? I'm out. Aaron Donald's 31 years old. I mean, if you look at the quarterback position, guys are playing until they're 60. I mean, if I could get this thing redone and put a little something-something in the arm, I'd get this fat ass in shape. Hell, they're taking quarterbacks that are 45. I'm just uh, slightly older than that. But 31, you got one more massive contract left. Let's be honest, you do. You got one more left. You take a three-year deal, you make 30 a year, you got 90 grand. Maybe it's more than that. I don't know. Maybe it's less than that. I don't know, but it's going to be close. You willing to walk away from that? God bless you. But at 31, he ain't done. He ain't even a little bit done. I'm going to get back to something. I'm going to get back to something, and Clay was talking about this. Uh, Clay was talking about this, and I'm fascinated by it. Um, Jimbo Fisher, by the way, has a press conference. So we're going to try to get Trey Wallace here right at 10 o'clock. And then uh, tomorrow... We'll talk about Jimbo Fisher's press conference. You know what Jimbo Fisher's going to say, man? Jimbo Fisher's not going to say nothing. But we're going to talk to Trey Wallace about it. Um, what the hell am I? Oh, yeah. Do you know that in my history, 
and I could be wrong about this, and I would love for somebody to correct me. I would love it. I, I, I wish somebody would. But in my world, in my history, I've never seen a least popular president. But there apparently are a few states where this guy is not completely unpopular. Uh, he has approval ratings of over 50% in Hawaii. 52% of people approve of our president. His approval rating is higher than his disapproval rating in Massachusetts and Vermont, two of the most liberal places in the history of the world. It's amazing to me. It is what the hell to me that you could have a president doing this horse bleep to the American people, his people, the people that elected him, and yet 52% of the people in Hawaii, they must not be paying attention. Vermont, you would have to be a serial killer in office as a liberal to have an approval rating that is less than the disapproval rating, and the same thing with Massachusetts. But we've seen Massachusetts people drive, so we're not taking them for serious. What do they call them, assholes? Worst They're not the worst drivers, by the way. No. No. They're horrible drivers. They're more dangerous drivers than Indiana drivers. But here in Indiana, we have the worst drivers ever. We are terrible. We are fat. We smoke. We get on our little bedazzled phones. And we get in the left lane. In Massachusetts, they just crash into you. They don't care. In Vermont, I think they're still trying to get the first electric tree bark car going. I think if they could tap into tree bark, syrup, and flowers as gasoline, then I think Vermont would be really happy. If you want to win Vermont, uh, just say, look, man, hey, man, uh, we're going to make everything out of the earth, man. We're going to eat dirt. I swear to God, you got to be the absolute dumbest of the dumb. You got to be, well, maybe not the dumbest of the dumb. Let me preface this. You, you got to be somebody that hasn't paid attention. Or Hawaii has always been an incredibly expensive place. Hawaii has always been a ridiculously expensive place. So maybe they're just used to this. I don't know. Last thing. You know what's interesting? What's interesting, and this is a what the hell. What's interesting is we got all this going on in the country. We got shootings every weekend. I mean, we got shootings left and right. We got more shootings than we got sense. And not one person, not one, ever looks at the president. It's funny, when Trump was here, one guy got shot on a street corner in Chicago the president's fault. I don't get it. Like, we got shootings every weekend. Look at the numbers. Look at Indianapolis. We got Indianapolis, apparently, we've moved to stabbings as well. Stabbings is very personal. Look, I always ask, would you rather be stabbed, shanked, or shot? Here's the difference. Shot, I can shoot you from way to hell over there. Stab, we're fighting. I'm going to stab you. Shank is somebody pisses you off. They break a bottle and they shank you. I always said, give me shot. It's less personal. Hey, look, you can shoot me from across the room. I don't want any of them. But honest to God, not one person has even, I'm talking about in the liberal side, question, what is the president of the United States, both the Congress, both the House and the Senate, they have them all. What are they doing about 
the mass shooting. Well, you know, the background check, fine, that's one element to it. There's a lot of elements. What are they doing? Nobody questions it. Hell, there was another one yesterday in New Orleans. I'm going to keep bringing them up because, frankly, uh, look at this. Look at this dog. Uh, because, frankly, it's we've just we've accepted it. Oh, by the way, uh, let's see. DoorDash is down. Uh, so there's another notice on your great president. That's what he does. He doesn't control the stock market. Okay. All right. Anyway, not one person has questioned, what the hell is that? I mean, we got, we got Steve Kerr. And I, hey, look, I respect anybody who wants to speak out on any side. But we got shooting after shooting after shooting after shooting. And everything is about, well, we got to take away people's guns. Well, that's not going to happen. Uh, why doesn't this administration, they have, they have the House, they have the Senate, and they have the freaking uh, White House. Why don't they do something about shooting? Why don't they have a plan? Why don't they give direction? But not one person is saying it. I, read, I wrote an article, and I hope you read it. I do. It's at outkick.com. I want you to read it if you get a chance. Uh, I wrote it with a lot of heart. And I'm not a great writer. I, you know, look, I, I read people that are great writers, and I like great writers. I like great writers. I'm not that great. You know, they asked me to do an article. I like doing an article, so I do an article. But I'm not that great at it. But I thought this one was pretty good. I did. Oh, if my dog pukes, I tell you what, there's going to be a problem. Did you puke? No. Okay. All right, we come back. Trey Wallace is at the SEC spring meetings. Trey Wallace only has about 10, 15 minutes. You know why? Because Jimbo's going to speak. Jimbo, Saban, Heather Dinich is there to report on it. Oh, Heather That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. All right, the SEC spring meetings are upon us. It is the epicenter of college football. Trey Wallace, our man here at Outkick, is right in the middle of it. All right, let's go first. Uh, Nick Saban spoke yesterday. I feel like Nick is backtracking a bit. What is your sense? I think he's backtracking pretty hard, Dan. I mean, he got, uh, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, the question was coming and uh, it looked like he had a couple notes uh, on his podium right there. But man, he uh, he gave a quick answer and then a reporter that I know went right back at him and said, hey, look, you, you called him, you know, you said they were cheating. Uh, you know, how do you? How do you phrase that, you know, Nick? And, and he goes back and he starts saying, well, I didn't really, you know, say anybody, did anybody, anything wrong. And I'm like, we're all sitting there like, wait a minute. No, that's not how it went. Um, so, yes, he is backtracking heavily. I, I think that um, he realizes that, you know, somebody has finally stepped to him and, and not backed down. And, and I think that I think that caught him off guard, if I'm being honest with you. I, I do. And uh, so now we're looking at it and, you know, well, Jimbo went scorched earth on him after that. So, you know, I, I think Nick Saban, um, for the first time in a long time, he, he might have stepped in it and maybe got put in his place a little bit. And, and I think he tried to backtrack on it and settle it down. He he technically, I guess is right when he says, I didn't say anybody did anything wrong. 
But yes, he did. I mean, let's be honest. The inference, he was in front of his boys, right, trying to raise some money, and he was going to be a big shot, and he was going to, you know, accuse Jimbo. He did. He, okay, he didn't say, I think they are openly cheating by buying players. Okay, he didn't mouth those words. But he did infer, at least, at minimum, infer that they cheated. Absolutely he did. Um, and, and look, we all know college football lingo. When you say you bought a class, okay, we, we, we get that you bought a recruiting class. Like, you're not hiding anything from that. So the, that's what kind of threw me off on it was some like, well, I didn't accuse anybody or I didn't say anybody did anybody anything wrong. And I'm like, well, you did because you know how college football lingo is. And, you know, I, I you know, I, cut, I, I somewhat agree with you, Dan, like saying, okay, he didn't really do anything wrong in a sense. And the only reason I say that is, is because Nick is trying to phrase it as, okay, well, NIL bought, you know, the recruiting class. But let, let's be honest. We all know what it means when it comes to college recruiting to buy a kid to buy a player you don't do that and and he's and he stepped over the line dan and 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 then jimbo decides you know what i'm not gonna hold back on this guy anymore i'm gonna go right at him and and that's exactly what he did jimbo had no choice no no he didn't he had to and and even that time when it came out i was like okay I don't think he's going to put out any kind of written statement. He's either going to go on a local radio show and, and do an interview, or then um, Ill says he's done. We're going to find out today. I mean, he's speaking down here at, at the SEC meetings. Uh, he is uh, the only coach on the docket for a formal setting today. We might get a couple coaches and like a gaggle or whatnot, but it's going to be interesting when he gets in there and he gets questioned by the 30 or so media members and you know, we'll we'll see if he backtracks or if he just not not if Jimbo backtracks, but more or less of a I'm done with this guy's let's try to move on. Or does he say, Hey, look, you know what? I said what I said, I stand by it, and we'll just have to deal with it as we go. What I saw where Kirby Smart called the whole thing kind of Mickey Mouse. I saw others said, Come on, it's no big deal, we're not dealing with it. Um, is that their actual thinking, or is that a Greg Sankey mandate, or both? That is them not wanting to step in it when it comes to Nick Saban. Because you have to remember, yeah. Florida's head coach, Billy Napier. Who did he coach under? Saban. Who did Kirby coach under? Saban. So it's it, it, Jimbo coached under Saban. Lane Kiffin. I can name them all. So they're having to – it gets to a point where it's like you got to pick sides, and they don't want to pick sides. So they're having to play it down the middle. And, and the Mickey Mouse comment was him saying, hey, if you thought that was bad, when Jimbo and Saban coached together, you should have heard what they were talking about on the microphone, on the headsets. You know, so I, I think it's these coaches not wanting to get involved – and, and kind of, you know, stay a foot of what's going on, do handle their business in the wrong for what he said. And I've talked to multiple people about that, talked to a couple different coaches off the record about that. Um, but you know what? I mean, we'll see how it goes from here. Uh, this will probably be the last time we get to talk to coaches until July, mid-July. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if Jimbo doubles down today and how that goes.
Why do you think what Saban said was wrong? I think there's – so there is a – it's like a code, I guess you could say. If you don't want – look, you don't want somebody else calling you out for the wrong stuff you're doing. At the same time, you're doing the wrong stuff as well. So let, let's just say, okay, Nick Saban is okay. But you don't want to go at each other and make that public knowledge, public light. You know, bring – Bring the life to, to, you know, what's the best way? Bring the story to, to life, I guess is the best way to put it. Because if you're casting stones at one coach, then you know this. Damn, you're going to have to cast them at all of them. Because this is going on everywhere. It's it's not just AM, It's not just Alabama. These players are getting bought through NIL right now to come play at schools. And a lot of them can try to deny it and try to be vanilla. And that's okay. Whatever floats your boat. But I think when it comes down to it, Dan, you just don't throw something at somebody else's house when you know that they can go get, you know, a dozen eggs and come back and hit you with the same amount of ammo you just hit them with. Do you think, you know, I listen to these shows and everybody, well, this has long-term implications. Do you think these have this has any long-term implications? Do you think this will affect the bigger picture of NIL slash buying players? I, I I don't think them going at it does. I think they're going to come up with some kind of further guidelines for this uh, down the road. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I, I, I think that what's going to come out of the Nick Saban Jimbo spat is that there's going to be a lot of hype once the season starts. And you know television networks love that. So they're gonna they're just they're gonna try to continue building this story over the summer uh, until we get to SEC media days in July, and 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 that's where the story you know that's where a lot of this is gonna come from over the next four months is trying to continue that build until that October matchup. And if they, I promise you this, over the next four or five months, there's going to be a player. Or there's going to somebody is going to commit to one of these schools, and there's going to be NIL money involved. The people are going to find out, and it's going to send somebody over the edge again. It's just a, it's just an ever-ending cycle. Didn't that quarterback already decommit from Texas A&M and headed over to Alabama right, a week or so ago? Yeah, it was something like that. About yeah, a week or so ago. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with maybe what's going on with Arch Manning. Um, so we'll see how that kind of plays out. I, I don't think, to me, that's not a, a player that would uh, ask for a lot of NIL money, I guess is the best way to put it. Four-star quarterback, you know, you got to pick and choose who you're spending a lot of money on nowadays with NIL. Um, so, I, yeah, he committed, decommitted, went to Alabama. But I don't think it was that big a shot because I think A&M can go out and, and probably do better. Do you think Jimbo Fisher is going to, number one, <clears throat> excuse me, will he address this? Number two, do you expect him to double down or do you expect him to back away? He's going to address it because he's going to get asked and there are – Texas A&M local beat reporters that are down here. 
So I, I think it's going to be kind of set up for him uh, to answer it however he wants to. And that's not a bad thing. I think that if we can get an answer out of him, if we can get something that, you know, either says, okay, guys, we're good. I'm going to put it past him. I don't like Nick Saban, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Maybe he goes that route. But you never know with Jimbo. Like, here, here's one of the good things. These coaches are done meeting with each other today at 1.30. They're going to get on planes. They're going to head back to their college towns. So who's to say Jimbo Fisher doesn't throw a shot at Nick Saban on the way out of town? <laughs> now, I thought this was interesting. Um, Jimbo Fisher's the head of the SEC coaches. It's a rotating position, so he basically sits at the head of the table. Um, so... You know, I saw a table graph. It's the first time I've ever seen this. I coached for 25 years. I never saw the, the pregame where everybody sits. But my somebody told me that was, I guess, reporting it, or maybe I saw it, that Fisher gave a speech about ethics and all this kind of stuff. Look, I sat and listened to Calvin Sampson as a head coach at a national coach's emergency meeting on cheating. I sat in front of Jim Beheim and uh, Jim Calhoun. And while Calvin Sampson was up there pontificating about righteousness, Jim Calhoun and Jim Beheim were crushing his soul about how. I, I think that if you're trying to look every other coach in the eye while you're talking about ethics yeah. in college football and recruiting, <laughs> It's not really going to go over well. That's one of those conversations where maybe like, you know, the coach kind of spaces out the other coaches who you're talking to and maybe checking your phone, see if you got an email, whatever. If you, you know, as, as, as head of the, the, the meeting, you know, for this year, you know, and, and it changes yearly, um, I guess you have to give up and give a statement. But, I mean, look, man, they're all doing it. So whoever's going to come out and try what they have at wide receiver and, and even on defense, I think this is a team that, that can beat Alabama, you know. And, and look, Alabama's going to be good, but we saw A&M do it last year. There's going to be a lot more to this game this year. We know that. Um, and, and this is one of those times, Dan, too, where Texas A&M's got to take the next step when it comes to being a national powerhouse. You know, you're paying Jimbo Fisher a hell of a lot of money to be down there. And if you're spending a lot of money when it comes to recruiting classes and getting players on campus and whatnot, which is all legal, by the way, um, you 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 got to start seeing some fruits of the labor is the best way to put it. And if you're paying a coach $9 million to be down there, fans aren't happy with eight to nine wins. They want to be playing in the championship game in Atlanta. They want to be in the playoff. Just beating Alabama – is not gonna, you know, not gonna make the fans happy. They got to start doing something. Start showing your worth. I gotta ask you, Trey, because you cover all this. How great was it that Spurrier chimed in on all this, including, hey, the guy hasn't even won a division. Look, man, if somebody calls Spurrier, he's gonna tell you exactly what he feels about all this. Right. Look, I don't blame him. Yeah. Get, get involved in it. Why not? Spurrier is like the, uh, you know, he, he's the outlier SEC coach. It's always hanging around the meetings and, and wants to give his opinion. And, and I don't blame him. He's earned that. Um, 
But yeah, it, it, look, when Steve Spurrier takes a jab at you, you know, you you know something's going on. So it was funny. Good for him. I got a laugh out of it. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the, the football side of it. You mentioned, you know, Florida, Billy Napier, and all that. They got shot. I mean, who, obviously Georgia's reloading. Obviously Alabama. You mentioned that Texas A&M. Uh, can't beat Alabama. What are we looking at here in the SEC as we sit here in the spring after most recruiting is already done? I, I think that in the SEC East, it could probably end up coming down to maybe Tennessee and Kentucky kind of fighting it out with, with Georgia. Um, look, Georgia's good, but Georgia's young. Um, they're, they're, they, you, know, you saw the NFL draft. You saw how many players they lost off that team. And that, was a, and that was a good squad last year. That was a veteran team. I think when it comes down to it, you know, can some other guys make some noise? Can, 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 can Tennessee give them a, a battle? I don't know. We're going to figure out. They got the quarterback to do it. Uh, Florida is an interesting case because I, I want to know how much success they can have when this guy's coming. Florida's coach, Billy Napier, has had to literally rebuild this program from scratch. Uh, Dan Mullen left it in a bad spot. So coming in and, 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 and playing for an, an East championship, a division championship, that's going to be pretty tough in the first year. Um, but they do have some weapons. And it, look, it, it would not surprise me um, if Georgia ends up taking a loss or two this year. Uh, I think they're beatable. Um, and I think they're going to have to replace a lot of veteran talent. So It'll be interesting to me to see how that transpires and plays out because, you know, I I think there's a little bit more, um, let's just say I think there are teams that are able to knock off Alabama and Georgia this season compared to maybe last year or the previous year. Friend of mine just texted me to ask you this, so I'm going to ask you this. If there was a coach, not Saban, or not Jimbo, the cur- a current coach right now in the SEC that you would bet on to jump into the fray, who would it be? Oh, man. I wish Ed Orgeron was still around. Um, it, right. I mean, it with a smirk, and he's always a smartass, which I love about Lane. Uh, he just doesn't care. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of these guys are just going to kind of stay by the book causes a stir. I thought Kiffin as well, and I agree with you. Kiffin's got the punchable face, but I, I love what he does. All right, what time is uh, Jimbo speaking? Yeah, Jimbo's supposed to speak at 1.30 Central Time today. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that goes off without a hitch, and uh, we'll keep everybody posted at OutKick, see what he says. Thanks, Trey. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Dan. Have a great day, buddy. You too. That's Trey Wallace. He covers it better than anybody. He does. He covers it. And today, you will see it. You know, at 1 o'clock, you'll see. And Jimbo Fisher speaks on this deal. You know it's going to be covered. You know it's going to be crazy. You know everybody's going to try to get him to say just enough. Like, here's the deal with this. When you're up there, you don't. You know, let me put it to you this way. You know that what you say, it doesn't matter. They're only looking, and they being the media, are only looking for that little bite that they can turn. You know, it's like, it's no different really if you really look at it. 
it's no different than Twitter. If you get into something on Twitter and you state something, you, you state something, whatever you want to this long and they're going to find this to come at you on. That's what's going to happen. And it's the same thing today. Like when you're Jimbo Fisher, you have to be so precise if, if you don't want anything out there. But here's the trick. Here's where guys like Belichick, not necessarily anymore, but he used to. Coach Knight used to do this. Uh, coaches do it right now. Shashevsky done it. Cal Perry's a master at it. Saban's done it for years. You get out what you want to get out, but you couch it. You couch it some. You say, okay. Yeah, I don't have anything to say, but, you know, the idea that we would do anything, it just still grinds at me. Or maybe you don't even want them to know it grinds at you. Maybe you say it's something like, you know what, it's so preposterous that I don't even given it a thought until I realized I had to come here for this day. Well, what do you think about Nick Saban? I don't. I mean, I got a lot on my plate. Like, I'm trying to beat teams in this league in recruiting. I'm trying to beat them in popularity. I'm trying to beat them on the field. I'm trying to beat them every It's strength, conditioning, facility, everything. I'm trying to – so I haven't thought about Nick Saban. I said what – you know, so you can downplay Saban, but that also gives Saban an out. If you don't want to give Saban an out, you just say simply, hey, look, I said what I said. Someone should have smacked his ass. Well, let me tell you, I said somebody should have smacked him. I meant somebody should have smacked him. I am not backing away from somebody should have smacked him. So what do you th- what, don't at me about somebody smacking him. His, his daddy should have smacked him. I don't know what I would do. I was a mouth. Like, I was Lane Kiffin. I kind of liked it. I, you know, I, I remember when I left the MAC, I had a bunch of coaches call me up and say, man, these meetings aren't nearly the same. Because they would bring in guys that were BSing us, and I'm like, quit BSing me. TV guys, well, you know, we signed this great contract with ESPN, so ESPN guy would come in. I'd go, yeah, I looked at it. There's 50 games, 48 of them are football. What does that do for us? Why are you here? Well, you know, we're trying to build. Yeah, okay. I think it'd be fun. Like, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be great to say, hey, look, hey, uh, Nick, come on down to my suite. Let's have a beer. Here's what I'm look. Uh, he has no problem with Jimbo Fisher. That's a lie. Has a massive problem with Jimbo Fisher. And the way you know he has a massive problem with Jimbo Fisher is because he talked about Jimbo Fisher in such a way that you could tell he has a problem. That's why I always say radio's tough, man. When I talk to somebody, I want to see their face. I want to, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's what your eyes tell me. You know, as a coach, you become like a professional iceberg. You know what an iceberg is? It's an eye expert. That's right. It's an eye expert. I become, and most coaches do, most coaches become expert on the eyes. The eyes tell all. They just do. 
And when somebody is saying, like you learn it in recruiting, you learn it by the little things. The little things that get said become the most meaningful. And you know what? At the end of the day, I looked at, I looked at the eyes of Saban, and he had had enough of this. He's like, man, I was stupid for bringing myself into this. You could see it on his face. Like, this was just stupid. This is beneath me. I shouldn't do it. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all with that. But the truth of the matter is, Jimbo Fisher, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for him to stand up to the Gaza man, the main man, the main dude. So do your press conference. Figure out which way you want to go. Figure out if you want to listen to your commissioner. And let me ask you something. Let me, let me just ask you this. Who gives a crap about any commissioner? I'm serious. I mean, maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I'm crazy, but why would anybody care what some guy in a suit in an office uh, says about me? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That's how I look at it. Uh, You know, later on today, Madden is releasing their cover athlete slash figure. Now, let me go to this real quick. Who's it going to be? Personally, John Madden just died. Personally, I'd make it John Madden. Now, here's a problem. Um, Madden sells no matter what, right? I mean, we all know that stuff sells. So here's the deal with that. You're going to sell no matter who you put on the cover. Now, my guess is certain guys sell more than others. Like, are you going to take an up-and-comer? Are you going to take Josh Allen? Tyreek Hill's on a new team. I don't know. Jonathan Taylor, pretty good. Derrick Henry coming back. Tom Brady, always an option. Aaron Rodgers, why not? You know, Cooper Cup, I don't know, pretty good. But let me ask you a question. You guys that play Madden, is there anybody on there that would make you buy it or not buy it? Of course not. Of course not. So you might as well just put John Madden on the cover. You might as well just pay tribute to the man whose actual name is the game. I mean, I think this, I don't know all the games. I don't know. I I don't. I'm sorry. I've never sat at a console in my house and played a video game in my entire life. I played it at a bar one time, Madden, I think. I, I don't know. But I've never played it at, a, at my house. I've never put on a headset, never got going, never played. So anyway, if I were trying to figure out how to sell it, I'd put Madden on. Madden's like Kleenex. Kleenex, I say it all the time. Kleenex is a brand name. It's not the actual tissue paper. Madden is the brand name. It's not the only game in town, but it is the only game in town. It's like I was saying the other day, look, who's the most iconic person of the Indianapolis 500 of of auto racing? And I always say it's Mario Andretti. Why? Because when your buddy drives his car too fast, you're like, what the hell? You think you're Mario Andretti? That's what you do. It's like, hey, we're going to play Madden. Well, it may not be Madden. It may be something else. I don't know. But man, is that iconic, and this is the one opportunity. You're not going to put him on next year. You're not going to put him on in two years. You're going to put him on when he died, and this is the perfect time to put John Madden on John Madden's own game. It really is. I'm guessing he's been on the cover. I don't know. 
I'm guessing he has. I'm guessing probably the first one they put Madden undercover, and then they went to players, and players view it as an honor, and I don't blame them. I mean, think about it. If you're undercover of Madden, then you're in the homes of damn near every kid, every young adult, probably every home except for mine, and maybe we have a Madden here because I think my son used to play it when he was coming up. I ain't mad about it. And speaking of I ain't mad about it, coming up, I ain't mad about it. I got stuff, including there's two groups of people that I wouldn't mind actually fist fighting. I mean, I would not mind them throwing hands. I wouldn't mind. I should because I'm an adult. I should because I'm against fighting. But I wouldn't be mad if these two groups of people, actually there's three people, three groups involved. It would not blank me off. Also, I ain't mad about something in the NBA Finals. I ain't mad about something in golf. I ain't mad about a lot of things. Actually, I'm a pretty happy guy. Beautiful weather out there. I'm looking out there today. Beautiful weather. My dog was sniffing around my crotch. It's been a good day so far. I haven't had to go to the bathroom 16 times. What are we doing? But I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about it even a little bit when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ask, and you shall receive. Hey, uh, I'd like the winning Powerball numbers. We just talked about Madden. Play it, Dylan, baby, and Ryan, play it. There it is. You're going to see. I don't know that this is the actual cover, but they just announced that the cover. Well, it says here EA Sports releases cover for Madden 23, and there it is. That's the one, apparently, at least according to at EA Madden NFL, that is the Madden cover. The full reveal will be tomorrow, which, by the way, is my daughter's birthday. So there you go. That's smart, right? I mean, look, let's be honest. Um, If you play Madden, or if you have any sense at all, you want Madden to be on the cover. I mean, it's literally that simple. I mean, look, we don't need anybody else. We don't need any other athletes. We simply need Madden on the cover. And if you don't like Madden on the cover, then I don't know what to tell you. But it's the only option. I mean, who are you going to put? Madden's been on the cover 11 straight. When he first started out Madden in 1989, this is how good Ryan and Dylan and Davey and Corey and everybody is. When they first started Madden, he was on, he was like Oprah on O Magazine, right? Oprah's on the cover of her own magazine every single edition, every issue. Well, Madden was on the cover of every single issue for the first 11. Last time he was on was 2000 and uh, 2000, excuse me. He was on before um, from 1989 when it started till 2000. So good for John Madden. Yeah, I'm very glad. I like it. I don't play it. I don't have it. I may go get it, but I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I ain't mad about it. Now, you all know that this segment comes from a conversation that, that I had with a player named Jamarcus Ellis. Now, Jamarcus Ellis had a really tough home life, and Jamarcus Ellis, I had to suspend him about 14 years ago when I was the head coach at Indiana University. So I'm the head coach at Indiana University. I got to suspend this guy in one of the biggest games, and I said, Jamarcus, I, I, I got to suspend you. I told you what you're supposed to do, and you didn't do it. 
He said, ah, oh, coach, I ain't mad about it. You ain't mad about it. Well, I ain't too happy. I ain't too happy about it myself. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not too enthused. Now, I ain't mad about it. Okay. So in our family, we always say, yeah, I ain't mad about it. Hey, you guys want to go golfing? Yeah, I ain't mad about it. Hey, uh, you guys want to have Coronas tonight? Yeah, I ain't mad about it. That's our, we have a family motto. It's called sack up, which means just shut the hell up and do what you're supposed to do. A lot of you could use that. Uh, but I ain't mad about it. Might as well be the de facto fallback line. Hey, I ain't mad about it. I want to make sure the stream. I thought I froze there. You don't want me frozen. You want me lively. All right, I ain't mad about it. The NBA media and all media, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from any of you regarding Greg Norman and the Saudi tribe. I ain't mad about everybody going and playing for the Saudis. As long as we're all okay with the NBA making tons of money from China. You can't be mad about one and not be mad about the other. So I ain't mad about none of it. If that's what y'all want to do, if you're such money-grubbing pigs, if you're so desperate for cash that you got to get in bed with the worst of the worst across the globe, who am I to say you should? But I just don't want to hear from media. I don't want to hear from media telling me how bad Dustin Johnson is Sergio Garcia, Kevin Nye are for playing in the Saudi Arabian tour as a money grab when that's all the NBA does. And the guy on the right in that picture is the, quote, best commissioner in the N N in major sports. Why? Because he kisses the ass of the woke. That's all. Greg Norman, bad. Phil Mickelson, oh, my God, Phil Mickelson's the worst human being alive. I'm sure I haven't read anything yet. I did last night. I'm sure everybody that is playing in the Saudi tour up in Canada, their first event is being vilified. Yeah? I don't want to hear it. I ain't mad about it. Hey, man, if we're going to be okay, and you know they still have slavery in both places, right? Uh, if we're going to be mad about neither of them, I don't want to hear from them. Let's be mad if we're going to be mad. Let's shut it down if we're going to shut it down. Let's be, you know what? We will not do business with China if you're the NBA. We will not deal with the Saudis. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad about that either. But if nobody's going to get mad about one and mad about the other, I don't want to hear it. Guys are the easiest targets in the world is a bunch of white golfers. Everybody knows that. Shoot. Hardest target in the world is the NBA players. Oh, man, you're racist. The minute you criticize, hey, look, I don't give a damn. What I give a damn about is if you're going to be fair. If you don't like what's going on in China, but you – Except what's going on with golfers going to Saudi Arabia, you're a hypocrite and vice versa. I ain't mad about it. I just don't want to hear about it. I've had enough about it. Damn. Look, the beauty of what is going on with golfers going to play in the Greg Norman tour, and by the way, that's Greg Norman on the left, the, the beauty of it is it's a clear money grab. $120,000 guaranteed. That's on top of appearance fees. There is no cut. 54 whole, 54 whole tournaments. It's a shotgun start, which means everybody gets going. It's really, if you think about it, I mean, if you're a professional golfer, it's an easier way to go about your business. Like two to four million first prize. Uh, reduced fields. I think there's only 48 or 50 people in this one. 
I mean, are you kidding me? So a guy like Dustin Johnson goes over there, he's going to get fat as hell. Yeah, he is. I mean, you would do it. Tell me you wouldn't. I'm the only human being you'll ever see that turned down $500,000 when you were making a hundred, not even $100,000. I was a head coach at Bowling Green. I went to West Virginia. I was making about $90,000 at Bowling Green. I went to West Virginia. They gave me a five-year deal. I asked for seven. They gave me a seven-year deal, guaranteed $500,000 apiece with incremental bonuses and raises. They were cheating. I didn't like the way they reacted. I got the hell out of there. So I feel like I can talk on this kind of stuff. I feel like I'll be, I'll be criticized for bringing it up, but I don't care. I feel like I can talk on having integrity when it comes to money. I might be the only human being alive that can. Just saying. I ain't mad about it. I'll tell you what else I ain't mad about. I am not mad. I'm not mad about this. I am not mad at all about Steph Curry being the favorite for the finals MVP. I mean, who are you going to make? Yeah, I know Jason Tatum's second. But if I had people say to me, well, you don't understand basketball. Uh, You you don't understand. It's going to be someone like Jalen Brown or Draymond Green. No, no, it's not. It could be. I'm not saying it's not. But if I were going to handicap, if I were going to say, okay, let's handicap the finals, who's going to be the MVP? I want it to be the man that has the potential to score the most points. It's two guys, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum. And I'm really fascinated to see this. There is a theory with lazy media, and I heard it the other day. Here's the theory. Lazy media will tell you that, well, nobody guards anybody in the NBA. Like, really? Is that right? Nobody guards anybody in the NBA. Really? These are the best athletes in the world. Now, you can take any athlete you want. I don't care. You can take a corner back. They're about 5'2". They run as fast as Jalen Brown, who's 6'7". They don't jump as high as Jalen Brown. They're not as, they may be quicker than Jalen Brown, but they ain't as strong because they ain't as big. Best athletes in the world reside in the NBA. And what I'm fascinated to see, this guy right here, Stephen Curry, see him going around a hapless defensively, Luka Doncic. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but Marcus Smart was the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, which you can make the argument that he is the best defensive player in the world. I mean, hold on here. If you're going to tell me the NBA is the best league with the best players and the best coaches and the best strategy, then if you are voted as the best defender in the best league with the best defense and the best strategy, then guess what? You can make the argument that Marcus Smart is the best defensive player in the world. So Steph Curry is, I guess, I would think, going to go up against the best defensive player in the world. But I still take Stephen Curry. Steph Curry. I still take I don't care. I can see why somebody might say, well, you know, Clay Thompson. I can see that. I could see if you think the Warriors are going to win, Draymond Green, but I'm not mad at this guy. But he's going up, and this is what I wanted really to get to. He's going up against the best defensive player in the world. Now, I'm curious whether in the Celtics and their brass overthink it. Like, oh, we can't have Marcus Smart guard him. No, you should have Marcus Smart guard him. Uh, you should. 
well, it's too much. What do they say in the NBA? It's too much energy. I don't care. Best defensive player in the world needs to go up against the best offensive player in the series and maybe the best offensive player in the world as well. I don't know. He's pretty good. Uh, Tyler Hero, I don't know why this is news. All right? I, I, I don't know why this became a thing. But for whatever the reason, Tyler Hero wanting to be a starter in the NBA is somehow news. Let me tell you something. Every little kid that has ever picked up a basketball in a CYO game wants to be a starter. And you take that kid from fifth grade CYO or whatever, and you put it into the NBA and it ain't no different. It is no different. Everybody wants to be a starter. Now, coaches couch this by saying, well, it's not who starts, it's who finishes. And they're right. They're absolutely right. It's not who starts, it is who finishes. But that doesn't matter. Look, Tyler Hero, there is another one down. Oh, okay, down. Good. Uh, Tyler Hero, listen to this, was the sixth man of the year. I did not know this. If you'd have told me this, I'd have taken the under in all three categories. Listen to this. Tyler Hero averaged 20.7 points a game. I did not know that. Five rebounds, four assists. Wow. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, says, hey, yeah, for sure I want to start in some way. I'd like to start. I think it's my fourth year. I think I've earned it. We'll see what happens. He did not play great in the postseason. 12 and a half against the Hawks, 15 against the uh, Sixers, and just nine against the Celtics. Now, he had a groin injury. All right? But I think it's interesting. I do. I think it's interesting. I think that Kyle Lowry looked fat. I think Kyle Lowry looked like a guy that had been eating too much late night foods. I did. Kyle, uh, Tyler Hero looked to me like he's too skinny. He did. He looked skinny to me. He looked too skinny. He looks like he's got to put meat on his bones. He's got to get in the weight room. Got to start lifting if he hasn't already. And he says he's going to do that. But I don't know why this became a story. And I'm obviously talking about it. Tyler Hero's a terrific player. Really good. But if you'd have told me Tyler Hero averaged 20 points a game, almost 21 points a game, I'd have said you're completely out of your ever-loving freaking mind. But he did. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... I got a confession to make. I got a confession to make that I'm actually not that unproud of. Is unproud a word? I'm fairly proud of this because, you know, in a world that we, where we celebrate diversity and all the other stuff going on, I think me coming out and saying this for the, probably the fourth or fifth time is important to society. And that is this. I will continue, ladies and gentlemen, and I will not stop watching The Real Housewives of New Jersey. I think New York is still on. Beverly Hills, Atlanta. I'm not sure if the OC is still on. You see those faces right there? See that face right there? 
that mouth wide open, the pointing of the fingers, the yelling, the terror in her friend's eyes. That's what I live for at night, drinking a glass of wine, doing my homework for this show that Dylan sends me. That's it right there. You see that face? And you know what happens with that face? The pointing. You know what happens? Something goes flying back at her in a hoity-toity restaurant. That's right. These women will throw down. They will. Yeah. The Real Housewives of New Jersey are the best. I mean, sister-in-law against sister-in-law. We had a guy deported, Joe Judice. Yeah, we did. We got brother against sister. We got a, some crazy lady cabaret. I don't even know what we got. But I'll tell you this. It takes you literally uh, one episode most to catch up on what's going on. But I'll tell you this. You know. You know that it's on. And here's why I like the ones that I mentioned. There's a bunch others. But I don't see, I don't need to see any clowns. I don't need to see any ridiculous people. The Real Housewives of Atlanta, man, they're real. Mike Hill from Fox is on it. He's married to one of them, and it's awesome. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Lisa Rinna, Harry Hamlet, it's awesome. Erica Jane. Now, Erica was married to a guy who, uh, Erica's a bit of a gold digger, just a bit. Uh, she likes him older and rich, and now that guy may be going to jail, and Erica Jane's trying to figure out how she's going to get on with her life. Oh, my God. Do you know one of the Vanderpups is in there? Did you know Dorit got a gun put to her head in her bedroom? Did you know this? Did you know that's what happened? She got a gun. Two guys broke in, put it to her head in her bedroom. Tell me what's going on here. And don't even get me started on the women of New Jersey. Teresa Judice is completely out of her mind. Melissa Gorga, oh my God. Jackie Goldschmidt dealing with the eating problems. And then, of course, Dolores is insane. She's still living with her ex-husband, who's a big old meathead guy. But the guys, the guys in the Real Housewives are great. The guys in the Real Housewives of New Jersey are the best. And the best thing about Real Housewives is these dudes all throw things at each other. I mean, like it's their damn job. They'll throw it at each other. They'll hit each other. We got two Margarets. We got Marge Sr. We got Marge Jr. What are you talking about? It is the great late night. I'm sitting. The day is over. I'm tired. I want to watch nonsense TV. Don't watch it in bed because it'll make you nuts. But I'm just telling you, these ladies got a little something going on. You know, Jacqueline's husband is a plastic surgeon, and Jacqueline is completely out of her mind. No, I mean, I'm, when I say insane, I mean insane. The money these women have, the money these people use, the people they have around them. Did you know that Paris Hilton's mother is in one of them? Did you know this? I'm telling you right now. I try to help my peeps out. I do. I try to help you. And the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Are you kidding me? The Real Housewives of Atlanta. These sisters throw down. Candy has the greatest smile and the greatest laugh. Kenya, beautiful. 
Nene is insane. She's like this, I don't even know. She's just nuts. I mean, when I say nuts, I mean wackadoodle, insane, nuts. Portia, if you don't like Portia, I can't help you. Mike Hill's in it. That's all you need to know. Candy, I love. I love Candy. She was one. She Candy Burgess was in a band, like a, of a serious group. Yeah, she was a member of Escape. Yes, yeah, she was. That's right. Before you poo-poo this, give the ladies a chance. I will not watch Dubai. No. And then a young one joined one of the casts in Beverly Hills, and she's a complete idiot. I won't have idiots. I like real women cussing each other out, throwing things in fancy restaurants, having first world problems, living in mansions, going on exotic trips with their Gucci handbags. I like it all. I like everything about it. I didn't, but it's a guilty pleasure that I just can't escape. All right, lastly, I want umpires and players fighting each other. That's what I want. I want that right there, except you see the eight on the umpire's right arm right there? I want that eight to go across. Or actually, the left arm would be better. It's more open because the left arm of the manager is blocking the right cross. I want them to fight. I've gotten to the point where, look, the world is out of its mind. Just go fight. It's like college hockey. College hockey, there's no fighting. So guys do this. They bow up on one another, right? They get right into one another. They bow up strong on each other, but it's like they're so frustrated that they can't fight. I want them to fight. I want, uh, like you see in hockey, let them fight, and whoever falls down, done. Hell, I ain't even mad at parents and umpires fight. I'm so, yeah, I'm a little bit mad at that. But umpires and managers or umpires and players fighting, what the hell? I mean, look, parents need to shut the hell up. Players, I don't know. But maybe I just want coaches and umpires to fight. And maybe that's it. Like if players fight, I always told players, look, I'm going to yell, scream, cuss at you, but I'm never going to touch you. Because you're built like hell. You lift weights. And you're young. I think I'm tough because every guy that's older thinks they're tough. I know I'm not tough. I probably get in a fetal position. So I'm not mad if umpires and coaches fight, but umpires and players, no. Players, man, you don't want any part of players. Them dudes work out tough. But I'm not mad at umpires and coaches fight. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if they just started swinging on each other? Like all of a sudden, out of the blue, that guy right there starts just hammering on Angel Hernandez. Now, Angel might be a badass. I mean, he can't call a ball and a strike, but hell, he might just be a tough guy. He might be a kind of dude where you go, hey, Angel, baby. You know what I mean? Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I do.
I want him to fight. I'm a bad better. Like, I'm supposed to give you some gambling picks. Look, last night was disgusting. Last night, um, I won on the doll, and I told you all to take the uh, abs and give the goal and a half. They ended up winning 8-6. to six. They, they won 8-6, to six, and the reason last night I bet the Braves was because, and this is the only reason, this is why you're really stupid. I'm really stupid for doing this. But uh, I saw on one of the apps, like, DraftKings or Bet Rivers. I think it was, I don't know, even sure, points bet. I saw one of them. Maybe it was Teddy Greenstein on points bet. I don't know. But on one of them, they said, hey, look, somebody bet like $15,000 on the Braves today. So I thought, all right, I'll put 100 bucks on it. Stupid. They were up 6-1, to 6-2. to two. When I went to bed, they lost in 10. So I'm on a bad one right now, but that doesn't deter me. You know, here's what you do. When the streak's going bad, you know what you do? You double down. Damn right you do. Uh, I'm going to give you tomorrow what to bet on with the NBA. I am. I'll give that to you tomorrow. I can't believe I nailed Nadal. I was actually watching. I did some recon. I was watching the match. I'm like, you know what? Nadal looks exactly like he used to look. And Djokovic doesn't look so good. Djokovic looks a little bit frazzled here, like he doesn't really want to be there. Oh, something's off. So I bet it. I won it. And then I tried to double down on it, and it didn't work. All right. So today. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow I'm going to give you the NBA bets, but today. Today I'm going to take the Mets. I'm going to take the Mets. They are minus $255. I'm looking at my account. I have $260 in my account. I'm taking everything that I have on the Mets to win on the money line to win $100. Now you say to me, that's just stupid, and it might be. Why don't you take a parlay? Okay, so I'll do that. I'm going to take a parlay, and both games are at one o'clock. So I'm going to take a parlay. I'm going to bet $200 on this parlay. I just did it. So I'm going to win $270 back on this parlay. The parlay is going to be the Guardians are playing in the second game. So this parlay is going to consist of the Mets beating the Nationals and the Guardians beating the Royals. There you go. It's as simple as that. Now, somehow, some way, it tells me that there is an error. It happens all the time to me. I don't want airs. You know what I want? I want parlays. But that's what I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet a two-team parlay. I am going to bet it right now. I am going to bet it for $200, which might be the most that I have ever bet a parlay. And I'm going to be very happy about it. That's my bet for the day. I gave you the abs yesterday. Did I not? I think I did. I gave you the abs. Period. I did. I gave you the abs. I said to you, the abs are the team. They're going to win by two. Guess what they did? They won by two. I did not have the score eight to six, but I did tell you it's going to be a high-scoring series. The number was seven over under. That's my bet. There you go. Take the Mets. Take the Guardians. Well, that's really going out on a limb, Dockers. Why do you got to go on a limb? I thought we were trying to make money here. When I look over there, I think I'm looking at the screen. Anyway, Dylan, Ryan, uh, Corey, Davey, everybody involved, thank you so much for all that you do getting this show set up. All of you guys that are on the YouTube chat, can't thank you enough to everybody that tuned in on Twitter. Do me a favor, retweet all of our stuff. I'm going to ask you until you do it. You're not doing it nearly like you should. I pay attention to this stuff. I do. And do yourself another favor. Start thinking for yourself. 
I mean, you guys do because you're paying attention to this show, which is a bastion of thinking for yourself. But let's be honest. It's time for people to think for themselves. I mean, my God, what are we doing? Think for yourself. Join me at noon on 107.5 The Fan. If not, I'll make sure that I see you here tomorrow. Thanks to everybody for watching. Tomorrow is Thursday. The NBA Finals get going. We're going to have a good time. Watch out for the Jimbo Fisher uh, interview coming up at 1. And stay right here on OutKick. Boys at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. Fantastic. We'll see you tomorrow. Dockage out.